back to another issue. I'm Beastie Boy. I'm Table. I'm Red. And it is I, Shino Brando. And in this issue, we talk about canon queer characters and their trials of coming out. So first things first, we got to talk about queer character history a little bit, just so that we understand what all of these characters and their coming out stories means from a broader perspective. Historically speaking, queer characters have had it rough. Now, it's not in all contexts, for sure. If you go all the way back into, you know, mythology, you get shit like Achilles and Patroclus who were so gay. And while it was tragic, their tragedy was because it was a Greek tragedy that their story was rather than because as later media required, if you're going to be gay, you either have to be a villain or dead. Queer characters are either dangerous, tragic, or a joke. And for a long time, that's all they were allowed to be. You could be a explicitly queer or queer-coded villain. You could be background and purely there for comedic purposes, probably fucking miserable. Or you could straight up die at some point so that everyone knew that the narrative wasn't condoning your existence. I mean, bury your gaze is a well-known trope for a reason. And the issue with the villain stuff is sometimes it's explicit and sometimes it's not, but it always reinforces harmful stereotypes. The most harmful, of course, being transmisogynistic ones, where people seem to believe that accepting trans women in some way places cis women in danger because cis men may simply pretend to be a woman in order to harm them. That's not true, and let's all be real, if a cis man wants to assault a woman in a bathroom, he doesn't need to put on a skirt to do it. He'll just go into the bathroom and insult a woman. But as time has gone on, it's gotten better. We now have queer characters who are allowed to be happy, who get to explore themselves, who get to express who they are openly and without being assaulted for it. And for sure, stories where queer people struggle with acceptance, either from other people or from themselves, are important because there are still queer people experiencing that and they deserve to feel represented in media. And someone who's young and not with a lot of support systems might find that and really see themselves in it. And that's always going to be valuable. And that's fundamentally what we're here to talk about today, where queer people, either they get to be well represented and well portrayed, or in some unfortunate cases, not so much. Red, I believe you've got one that falls a little bit more in that second category. I do, but with a nice outcome. So mine is Iceman, X-Men's Ice Cream. As one of the founding members of the X-Men, Bobby Drake went through a whole bunch, right? The Phoenix Saga, the Rise of Onslaught, a whole ass secondary mutation. However, it wasn't until 2013 that Bobby would go on a path of self-discovery rather than team discovery. The coming out of this Omega-level mutant began when Beast, the blue-haired cat creature, went back in time and grabbed the original team from X-Men number one and brought them to the present. Why he did this? Well, that's because Cyclops went batshit banana pants and murdered Professor X in cold blood. The idea was that making young Scott Summers look at what older Scott Summers had done would make him just not do it, except for that's not how time travel works and also that's not how Scott Summers works. I'm not sure that you can honestly say that Scott Summers works. He works not well with others, unless that other happens to be Jean Grey. Or Emma Frost, sometimes both. And most of the time, it's just Madeline Pryor. Anyway, so speaking of Jean Grey, well, Jean Grey is also on that young X-Men team, and she comes to the future and pulls young Bobby Drake aside after reading his mind shortly after Bobby has made a comment 
on Ileana Rasputin magic on how like attractive she might be. While out loud, he had made the comment in his head. He was going, what if I'm gay? And Jean Grey, being Little Miss Nosy Pants, read that thought, covered her mouth, and then pulled him aside and says, you're gay. Not, are you gay? You're gay. Okay. I would hate that. Just rude. Oh, Ma'am. Stay out of people's heads. Just kidding. You won't ever. Mind your fucking business. Just kidding. Yeah, she won't. That. Yeah, she never did. She's actually incapable of it. Here comes the next logical conclusion. If young Iceman is gay, what about old Iceman? Well, three years later, in Uncanny X-Men number 600, this gets answered. Young Ice Boy, young Miss Nosy, and older Ice Dude talk behind closed doors about it. Up until this point, Iceman really wasn't a stranger to, like, these thoughts and feelings. For example, he was dating an, an entity, a cosmic entity named Cloud, whose very nature as a nebula allowed the physical form to be gender fluid. Gender is for people that aren't space clouds. And also, many a writer has gotten Angel and Iceman as close to a room as humanly possible. Uh, might I comment, there's also that time that they shared a flat in New York with Spidey and Johnny Storm, and he used to often pine for Johnny a whole lot. That sounds like the worst roommate situation I can imagine. It's funny because all three of them had alter egos, and all three of them revealed their alter egos by accident to each other, and they're like, well, well, I guess this is it, and now we yeah. know each other. clowns. It's like, wait, you're this person? Oh. You're Iceman? You're Human Torch? You're Spider-Man? All right, later, guys. So it turns out that the reason that Iceman was keeping this secret was as yet to not paint another target on his back from being a mutant to being an X-Men. Being gay was just something he repressed hard. In his mind, he wasn't ready to be a gay mutant X-Men. It's fair. It's a lot. That's a lot. This conversation ends with young Ice Boy asking his older self, do you think Angel is hot? Oh, my God. And his older self with young Jean Grey's support saying, oh, God, yes. Wait, hold on. Yeah, hold but on. like, don't Who's fuck Angel. <laughs> yeah, like, don't, like, no, 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 he's just attractive, that's all. He's just really built, like, I don't know, he's just an Adonis type dude, I don't know what to tell you. Really? Warren Worthington? You're not like Remy LeBeau or something? Warren Worthington? All right. <laughs> anyway, yeah. with the help of young Cable, the young versions of the X-Men are put back, put back in their proper time, and mind-wiped of future events, up until the older versions experience young Cable taking the young versions home. It's whack, I promise. Fucking time travel. <laughs> Iceman would later go on to have his own solo series, done by writer Cinna Grace, which would explore his newly come-to-term sexuality. This was given the tact and, haha, <laughs> grace, because the writer of this book is gay and understands the struggle of now coming to terms and a more clear understanding of what it means to be a person in that situation. This is significantly better than the treatment that Brian Michael Bendis gave him, which was th the entire events I just talked about. Yeah, who's writing that stuff, man? That's In fact, Iceman ends up with his first short in terms of comics, but long in term for him, boyfriend hmm. named Romeo in Inhuman. Good for him. I mean, good for him crossing those really fucked up divides, I guess. But yeah, that's Bobby Drake. As coming out stories go, it hurt me very deeply in the way that story was told and how long it took to come to a close. But on the other hand, that could have been so much worse. The shitstorm that it came up with on the internet because of these comic panels made it out of context, made Jean Grey seem more like a nosy bitch than she really is. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, she is, but yep. so much not well, to Keep point. it to herself most of the time. Right. Like she just knows stuff about everyone and she's not a fucking, like, invasive. <laughs> like, she yeah. will make you talk <laughs> about it. Right. 
She'll just know. She'll be like, ah, he's gay. Good to know. Yeah. And it, it was my understanding before actually doing this research that she had done this conversation in front of people, not mm-hmm. just pulled him yeah. aside. And I think that's what's like, okay, no, you pulled him aside. You had this conversation with him when you both were of an understanding, like you gave each other a big hug and life moved on. I think that's the, the silver lining of it all. It wasn't until he was ready to tell his teammates and his found family that this is who he is. You know what? Even if it was really poorly done initially, that it was done at all made space for a good story down the line. And that's that's nice. It's hard. Queer representation is hard to get right. And that doesn't mean we should stop. It just means we need to like look at what we've got and figure out why it works and why it doesn't. I believe that brings us to Beastie. Yes, it does. But I'm going to be bringing a live action character, per se, or solely a live action character from a series called Sense8. To give a little bit of backstory, Sense8 is a series that was released on June 5th, 2015. Basically, the show is one that introduced a multinational ensemble cast portraying eight strangers from different parts of the world who suddenly discover that they are sensates, human beings who are mentally and emotionally linked. And I'm going to be talking about one of them, Lito Rodriguez. So the reason why I brought him was because, like, in my opinion, and obviously this is just my opinion, everybody's opinion can matter for this situation, the way they portrayed his story and, like, again, I guess the plan words of trials of, you know, coming out was a unique story of how they did it. But in a sense, Lito is an actor in Mexico who's in public. He'll just always be, like, we'll be with the opposite gender partner and be just going around as, you know, just a regular, like, cis man. So he always will have, like, a female partner with him whenever he's doing his stuff. But when he's at home by himself or with his boyfriend, he'll be more himself. He'll be, he'll feel more comfortable. But for Leto's character, it's in the story of the series is that he is kind of fighting being out in public and keeping his, like, real identity a secret. And he kind of deals with that with someone in the series later on of, like, you know, almost, like, blackmailing him, which kind of mentally affects him and affects his, like, daily life. And even his friends of, like, you know, protection of, like, oh, like, this could happen to this person if you don't do this or, you know, actually tell the world what you're doing or who you are. Lido gets overworked and also kind of gets, like, in a state of depression of how he wants to go about it or how he feels or of what he should do but he's always scared of outing himself or like publicly coming out because he's worried about the consequences of all that but in the series kind of spoiler ish he does eventually publicly come out to the world during one of the pride celebrations that they have in the series and he's able to express who he is and just give a big speech of like about his sexuality and how he feels about it his career like is now subjugated to minor stereotype roles rather than what he was normally doing like action roles it sucks but that's also at the same time what could sometimes happen for a person of color people kind of judge you on that because you know people aren't usually used to that i guess there are a few out there who can break that mold though like neil patrick harris mm-hmm. right yeah he, he can play a straight dude he can play gay dude he you know what i mean like he's all over that map so like i mean mm-hmm. i see where the story's going for him because i i understand that right coming out and then all of a sudden the public eye sees you in a different way and now you no longer look like the hetero action star now you're just put down to like bit roles because yeah mixing your personal life which is bullshit because i mean like an actor's an actor man that's what the job is exactly like and he was no different i mean leto spends a lot of his time like publicly performing masculinity for his career but yeah this is like oh, that the whole grouping of leto hernando and then danny like the the third of that throuple per se as, as he explains it is yeah like it's just like they just appreciate her and love her as you know their closest friend and partner as well it just you know shows how much they really truly care for each other and then you know 
look out for one another, as we mentioned. But I appreciate Lito. He's a real homie. He's cool. Yes. And he also gets to be this big guy who's actually incredibly emotionally sensitive mm-hmm. and does a fantastic job of just feeling his feelings. It's a huge contrast to the fact that, yeah, he spends most of at least initially his public relationship being macho man because you know what that's not who he is he gets to be someone else something more and look sensate has its issues for sure but Mm. that show worked really hard to be good representation for everyone in it it really does all of the queer representation is great and i like how in that show it uses pride and the pride festival the way that it's modernly supposed to be used as a celebration and they in fact went to one of the biggest pride parades in the world to film it i miss sensei i I, I did too (laughs) but yeah i guess that moves us to our last last but certainly not least that's me all right well i'm going right back to comics and i'm bringing in north star for those who don't know north star his name is john paul bobier that's mad french for you he debuted in uncanny x-men number 120 that's april 1979 he was written by chris claremont and drawn by john byrne if you don't know that name he's also the guy who spearheaded the 1987 revival of superman the man of steel the best writer john in paul, my opinion that that's the one that everyone grabs to grab the mythos off of him everything you see on tv and movies comes from john byrne don't forget that so with Northstar, I'll just let you give a little dump here, but his powers happen to be superhuman speed and durability, flight, and some light manipulation. Nothing too heavy, nothing too crazy, just some, some average powers. His debut would be within the ranks of Canada's own very special forces, Alpha Flight. You guys proud of that? I love you Alpha Flight. Me. Listen, I don't read many Flight stories Flight. about Alpha Flight, but I'm so glad mm-hmm. they exist. I mean, yeah, because we're Canadian, so we are glad. I mean, the rest of America does not. <laughs> There's only a few, a few of them who are like, yeah, Alpha Flight's kind of cool. And the rest of them are like... Mm, they're Canadian. Canadian shit. There was, yeah. there was a big Alpha Flight like action figure set, and I kind of mm-hmm. was just like, "Do I buy it just to say like fuck you to all American X Men fans and be like someone's gonna buy this merch?" Well, one of their main missions was to locate and retrieve some guy named Wolverine, whoever that guy is. <laughs> Creator John Byrne didn't really want to write the 1983 Alpha Flight comic book for lack of developed and compelling characters. Alpha Flight had no origins written, and they had, they were just literally created just to face the X-Men. So when he took the job, in order to make them less bland, more developed, he kind of just started pinpointing each character and giving them a sorted out storyline. North Star's sexual orientation was suddenly introduced into the start of new, the new Alpha Flight series. It was kind of just inserted here in there although burn had intended the character to be outright gay from the get-go he was restricted to implied hints of this fact due to marvel editor-in-chief and the old dinosaur that he that he is jim shooter he had a policy against openly homosexual characters and that was backed by the comics code authority and we know how we feel about the cca too so here's an example in alpha flight number 18 when north star's house is called by heather hudson at the time vindicator of alpha flight a half-naked man in swim trunks who had been swimming with north star answers the phone for him in alpha flight number 41, North Star's sister, Aurora, says to her brother, since when do you object to having attractively dressed men about your home? North Star's apparent lack of interest in women was implied to be due to his obsessive drive to win ski championships. He Sorry, I can't out. fuck. I gotta go fast down this exactly. hill. That's basically it. No, oh, man. no time for skirts. Gotta go fast. <laughs> no time for skirts. It's time for slopes. No time for skirts, except for myself. But we'll get to that. <laughs> later on, Bill Mantlow's later attempt to reveal that North Star had AIDS was squelched. Now, I'll get to that soon. In mm. Alpha Flight number 106, writer Scott Lobdell was finally given permission to have Northstar say, in big old letters, I am gay. 
So now, here is the murder where the mess begins. So back to that old storyline there. The villain known as Pestilence, out of nowhere, senses decay in Northstar's body and causes his sickness to grow serious to the point that his wounds no longer heal, slowly killing him. What does that sound like to you? As his illness progresses, Aurora, his sister, desperately uses her healing light to, uh, powers to cure him. This is super fucking weird because this unspecified illness just comes out of fucking nowhere and there was no plot to lead to this. It just it was just written in. It was just inserted. Are you telling me that Northstar got to get healed from that, but Captain Marvel could not? Oh, he didn't get healed from that at all. Let me continue. <laughs> so Loki, we all, we all like him. He tricks the twins into believing that their mother was from Asgard. She was, she was, she was an elf, apparently. That's what he was telling them. So when Aurora is thought to be lost in action, Northstar journeys to Asgard to seek that half of his heritage. He happens to have very pointy ears, so it's kind of it's kind of like almost believable. He found himself not only trapped there, but laughed at by the uh, elves he encounters, because they're like, you're not an elf, bro. Aurora, his sister, was powerless and alive, but on Earth, uh, in a convent where Loki sent her in an attempt to appease a being known those who sit above in the shadow. Don't know who the fuck that is. Northstar remained stranded on Asgard until a supernatural threat mobilized Alpha Flight. The sorceress Talisman sent Aurora to Asgard to rescue Northstar. He shared the light with her, her powers, and restored their powers together. Both of them returned to Earth with Talisman to confront the threat she recruited for them, and Northstar rejoined Alpha Flight. Northstar could now generate light powers like his mother, like his sister without having to depend on her. During another battle, this is where it gets funny because the, the aid storyline now is still happening kind of and it, it kind of jumps to a different person let me explain how so during another battle Northstar discovers an abandoned baby girl in an alley he brings it to a doctor the doctors discover that the baby girl is dying of AIDS having been infected with HIV in the womb what the fuck John Paul adopts her and names her Joanne Bobier, and he and Alpha Flight performed various events to remind the public of AIDS and the dangers of remaining silent about it. Her death weeks later spurs Northstar to publicly acknowledge that he is homosexual, hoping that his role as a gay man and a celebrity will increase media attention on HIV, AIDS, safety, and prevention. Did you guys just hear what everything I just said? What that, the fuck? Oh, holy what shit. What the fuck? That like, that's no... That's so many versions of wrong. <laughs> yeah, quick turnaround to a plot that would have gone poorly, and it still went down fucking poorly. Listen, like, I am ever the optimist on this show, and longtime viewers will know that. That's got some heart behind it, but Jesus Christ, you could have done that way better. <laughs> way better. Someone took yep. a wrong turn and was like, uh, is it this way? It was like, no, and they still no, went the wrong way. I should have taken the left turn in Albuquerque. Listen, man, eventually Northstar decides to leave Alpha Flight and writes a memoir about his experience as a mutant and a gay man titled Born Normal. Are you guys fed up yet? Oh. Because he... <laughs> Pardon me? He wrote a, bo a book Born about being normal? a mutant gay man titled Born Normal. I think I'm just going to have to like retreat from this conversation and erase it from my brain. <laughs> Here we go. This is still a little bit more. In recent years, uh -huh. with the third boom in X-Men comics happening, Northstar was brought back to the front lines. Um, now he's an active mutant working within the ranks of the Mirror X-Men. You know, we love those guys. It seems at this point in time, Marvel would have grown and progressed a little bit. When Northstar joined the X-Men as a regular member in 2002, writers were less hesitant to address his sexual orientation. Northstar would even experience a crush on longtime X-Men, Iceman. Hello. Yep, though it was unrequited. Bobby's like, no, you're not hot enough for me. Yeah. I like I like my men <laughs> in human. Exactly. <laughs> One of his students in the Alpha Squadron, Victor Burkowski, the gay mutant Anoli, looks up to him as a role model. When Northstar rejoined the X-Men yet again in 2009, he was revealed to be in a relationship with his sports company's events manager, Kyle Janadu. Their relationship faces strain from the remaining mutants exodus to the mutant island Utopia, though the two agree to work through their issues. It was later implied he also had a sexual relationship with Hercules at an unspecified point in time. Now... Well done. 
get to have some tea here. So for that story that's gone around the Marvel Universe for years, Northstar and Hercules hooking up, I can tell exactly when it happened. Although Marvel's swimsuit issues are largely looked at as non-canon and largely looked at for other reasons. Hold on, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. They uh-huh. fucked in a swimsuit issue? They fucked in a swimsuit issue. The encounter seems to have happened within those pages. The image is on screen right now. If you can read the caption, actually, it says they're there for some uh, sun worship and uh, a bit of worshiping of their own kind. Hint, hint. Holy yeah, crap, I think wow. Jose... Uh wrote a song about them as of right now Northstar still carries celebrity status and yeah he is a prominent member still so i mean they've done some right by him in later years but i mean that shit beforehand was kind of rough man right now he's on x factor at krakoa holy shit yeah, i want you to know that's i just pictured Northstar on x factor the singing show <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot yeah. dude yeah they that's why i wanted you. that's why i wanted to bring up Northstar because i mean they've done some shit to this guy over the years this is like I, i'm like i can't believe and no one shut on Marvel for this yet? Really? They connected being gay to dead babies. Dead, uh, yeah, HIV, dead babies. Uh, it was a, it was a hell of a time. Might I also mention that uh-huh. um, when when he had the virus going around for for quite some time, they had him also loafed around like he was kind of like almost like like a spirit, like a wraith. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he was like a Walking Dead. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like like he had gone through treatment for HIV. Hey, I didn't want to say it, but you got it. I don't like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just maybe, you know, stick to doing research first before before writing any of this stuff, man. Hey, speaking mm-hmm. of research, do you want to just like just out loud say that swimsuit issue just just for research purposes? <laughs> <laughs> I can just guarantee I can't give you the exact issue. I just know it's it's Marvel swimsuit issues. If you look them up, you'll you'll get the whole you'll get the all of them. There's a, there's quite a bit, man. They went from a for a few years, man. I think they they went for I think a good I want to say five years straight from like ninety one to ninety six maybe Set. yeah from 91 to 95 yeah yeah noted thank you <laughs> on screen will be the issue <laughs> you bet there will be but what we will do is say in comics anyway north star led the way as the first openly gay character in mainstream comic books and even though it's a rotten way to do it we're very thankful for him being the first yeah it had to happen for us to get stories that weren't terrible i will say that as i've gotten older i've lost a lot of my interest in coming out stories just because at some point you end up realizing that you're actually just going to spend your entire life coming out to people like no matter who you are no matter how you look or how you present yourself or what where you're at as long as our society is what it is there are going to be people who look at you and assume and so you'll just spend your whole life deciding who to disclose that information to, who you're going to talk to about it. And for me, that means that a lot of coming out stories have lost their charm because at some point it just ends up a little bit depressing. That idea that, oh, well, maybe if I just do it one more time to the right person, that's it. But that doesn't mean these stories aren't useful. They aren't valuable. They're further steps towards positive representation of queer people they're also really important to people who are in a position without a support system who are still coming to terms with their own identity and who need to really see that happen in other mediums for them to get it for themselves so eh, i guess we'll keep having people coming out possibly forever and we all gotta live with that i can say on a personal note that what you just said table like rang true as coming out stories we might have moved past them already that it is now we have reached a time in storytelling where you know what that character can just be gay and we don't have to be a thing about it or you can as long as it's story valuable yeah 
coming out stories will always be valuable to someone. It's just, you know, at some point you actually just want to read about queer people being people rather than figuring out how to be queer. Because there is no way because it's all a spectrum anyway. So with that in mind and a look towards a brighter future, Beastie, if you please. If you'd like to hear more discussions from us, uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you can tune in every Wednesday. And you can catch us streaming live on Thursdays and Mondays as well on twitch.tv slash Crusade. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and join our Crusader chat on Discord by checking our link tree in the description. You can download any previous episodes or listen on your mobile device through anchor.fm or search Nerd Crusade on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, fellow Crusaders. That's to be continued. Thanks for tuning in. If you like this video, go ahead and button mash a thumbs up. If you want to swing by when we have a new video, web up the sub button. Oh, and while you're at it, hit the bell to be notified by. Oh, no!